Hi, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim, and welcome to the Backstage Show. This week on the Backstage Show, we will be continuing our interview with Mr. Greg Cassander. But first, we have some follow-up business tying back to a previous episode from earlier this season. Yes, we're going all the way back to episode 67, which was the Backstage Roadshow 2. That's right, where we talked about how to depict different modes of transportation in a production. Yes, uh, that was the one that was actually... Recorded in my car, if you don't recall. If you haven't heard it, go back and listen to it. We got a, uh, or I, I should say, I guess I got a text directly from uh, Steve Schultz talking about a few things. Who has been on the show before? Yes, we had a roundtable back in season two, two I think. Yes, with uh, Steve and his uh, lovely little wife, Renee. And That's right. Perhaps That's somewhere in the, I don't remember exactly which episode number it is, somewhere in the 40s, I think. Go Maybe back. around 50. Check our website, backstage.link. You can find it on there. Yep. You can actually sort by interviews. So, so Steve, by correspondence, has uh, contributed some further reminiscences, experiences related to depicting transportation on stage that we figured we'd take some time to share. Yes. To discuss. And if you're hearing meowing in the background, I apologize. We're recording at my house today, and my cat is very vocal. Hi, Luna. So Steve's experience was mostly at Forge Theater in okay. Phoenixville. He had talked about when, I, I think this was either before his time or like right at the beginning of his time when they did How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. I was in that in high school. Oh, well, there you go. That's a musical, too. That's yeah, right. Which kind of will lend into the topic that we'll be covering in a moment. That was the first moment. high school musical I did. So he recalled that Bob Finkenauer was lowered from Forge's rafters. We talked about that. Wow. How Forge does have rafters that are above the... I, I, how would he even get over there unnoticed? Well, is my question. We'll have to get Steve on and talk I'm about I'm going to get, uh, you think it had something to do with, because the sound booth is elevated and I guess the lighting is up there? Yeah, the sound and lighting booth is up in the one corner, but the window is tiny out of there. I don't think you could crawl through oh, there. Oh, okay. I, I didn't they realize. do have the costume loft is usually like, is elevated, sort of. Right. And I'm loft. I'm extremely <laughs> not familiar with, or I'm really not extremely familiar with the upstairs of Forge. Yeah. Now I'm not sure. So there was that, and I don't re- I don't even remember why we were talking about the rafters or anything with Forge in that episode, or maybe this was feedback from a different episode and I labeled oh, it wrong. Good question. Steve, um, you got you to get more specific with your texts here. Yeah, narrow it down a little bit. He was also talking about uh, Steve Brown, the late, great Steve Brown, who was appearing, I believe he, I think he said he directed that, and he would appear in the back of the elevator on set, I guess, wearing different coats that audience members had, had left on the rack by the stairs. <laughs> Had left, like, when they were coming in to see the show? I am assuming so, yes. <laughs> hey, get out of my coat! Yeah. <laughs> Where <laughs> are my keys? Can you imagine, like, sitting there and going, hey, that's my coat? Or, hey, he's wearing <laughs> hey, a coat just, just like, like my mine. coat. Yeah. So that's more, a little creepy. Yeah. More in line with transportation uh, on the 20th century, which I want to say Steve directed, but again, he wasn't specifying. But that show set entirely on a train, other than some flashbacks. And Steve was mentioning that the... The score of the show by Cy Coleman was very evocative of the locomotive motion. Similar to Music Man? Yeah, I I am assuming that, but I think that was more... Even more so? No. Was more background music as opposed to the specific songs, the musical numbers in it. So I think it was more orchestral. Okay. Yeah. 
And then there was also Driving Miss Daisy that uh, Steve was familiar with that is apparently just two black boxes and a steering wheel. He said that's how it appeared on Broadway, and he believes Forge also did it that way. Well, that kind of makes sense for a relatively easy way to move a car, quote air quotes, Mm -hmm. on and off stage pretty quickly. Plus, you think about, in a situation like that, a more elaborate set piece would just get in the way. Yeah, it would be more distracting than anything else. It would mess up sight lines. Exactly. So I think probably in a situation like that, it makes sense that that would be the most effective way to do it. Definitely. And then there was also Assassins that Steve was in. That was at the barn in September 2001. And he was saying that they used the actual bench seat from a car and a steering wheel mounted on a pole. Wow. Yeah. So this was kind of the sort of thing that we talked about that that might be like that. I'm just imagining like, how long of a pole this steering wheel? Yeah, was and and if it's on, like, are you is that freestanding or was it or was the pole attached to something or was somebody holding it up from in front of the stage? Uh, who knows? Yeah, so that's interesting. But we didn't get more details from Steve, so I guess we'll have to have him back on the show. But this is a perfect opportunity to say if you have feedback that you would like to share and perhaps would give us some content to discuss on a future episode, then by all means, please share it with us. And absolutely, you can reach us at our website, backstage.link. Or you can call us, leave us a voicemail or a text message at 267-225-8869. Very good. Wow, I had that memorized. Beautiful. (laughs) So that's pretty much all the feedback that we've gotten lately, or at least all that is worthy of air, (laughs) of airtime. So now yeah, we, we can, had to you know weed through a lot of yeah, lot of yes, messages. tons, tons. It took, that's <laughs> that's the reason that we're all the way back to episode sixty seven on feedback is it just took us that long to go through all of the messages and all the get, all the get, listener yeah. mail. <laughs> we do get bags occasional feedback. We do get occasional messages, but yeah, if you've got anything specific that you think would be good for us to discuss, we would be happy to oblige you with some airtime. Or you know, Glenn, if they want to bring up comments related to topics we've already covered absolutely we, we maybe potentially could do sort of a revisiting yeah we've done that a couple of times this feedback or maybe sort of a hodgepodge potluck mm-hmm. yeah we might maybe just a viewer mail episode yeah yeah, yeah. you never know well, so that'd be a good idea with that we can i guess get back to our discussion with greg cassander on musicals that's right we still have a bit to cover from our interview with him yes we decided as i had mentioned on my own at the end of the last episode was that that ran a little bit long and would have been... He just would not shut up. (laughs) But in a good way, because there's a lot to cover. We've already got notes for a musicals, I don't remember what I called it, 201 or 102. Yeah. So there's definitely more that we can cover with Greg and we hope we'll have him back on. and Have him back next season. Yeah. And discuss more about musicals. Greg, if you're out there... Let us know if you're interested in coming back, talking more. We already have some outline notes. Well, after Jim just talked smack about me, I don't know if I want to come back on your show. (laughs) Well, I hope he will. (laughs) I was kidding. Meantime, here is the rest of the interview with Greg Cassander. Now it seems to be all adaptations of movies and such. Well, that has a lot to do with the change in, in Broadway theater in general, that the individual impresario producer is gone they just don't exist anymore yeah and in order to raise your 30 million dollars or 20 million dollars everything now has partial or if not complete ownership by a media company with Mm. intellectual property Mm -hmm. so it's not a matter of there aren't good stories to be told but the people with the money want their intellectual property to be presented because they consider it to be less of a risk since there's familiarity with it right so you see a lot of 
film adaptations into musicals. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't tend to like them, although my big example that I love was the movie Once, I think is an okay movie. And then when I went to see the stage adaptation, I was a blubbering mess. Mm -hmm. It was wonderful. I really just just thought it was amazing that one decision, I think, really changed it completely. And I guess that's another thing that I question the media companies with when they produce musicals is the either the expectation that it must slavishly follow the original right. or whether you are allowed to use it as a template to create something new. Mm. Kind of as a starting point, sure. And as far as Once was concerned, it was a, a pretty much to me the, the best of both worlds because the scenes pretty much did follow the movie, mm -hmm. but the fact that all the background characters really didn't say much of anything became full characters yeah, yeah. made it a whole new experience for me because sure. some of them were funny, some of them were really serious but it wasn't so focused on only two or three people talking. And then they added that whole trend, one other trend, it's come and gone, where you've got the actors playing the instruments instead of a pit. Mm. Hmm. Um, well, that's got to be challenging to cast. Yeah, Not only do you have to be able to sing yeah. and act and dance, Community but theater, that seems like an impossibility. Well, once uh, in community theater is going to be really difficult um, because not only are they singing, they're playing the instruments when they're not singing, but mm -hmm. then there are also three or four numbers where they're actually choreographed while they're playing instruments, and if you're oh, playing a string goodness. instrument, you're also singing. <laughs> and it was just, you know, your mouth just drops open thinking, yeah. what was the casting call like for this? Well, in that <laughs> case, you really are kind of straddling the line between a musical actor versus basically a musical performer or a somebody who could be performing in a band or as a solo mm. artist. Well, there's a, there's an old joke. Of, I don't know how, how true it is, but, you know, a discussion of there are different types of, of musical performers. And Mary Maisie, who just passed away not too long ago, um, was, was known for her work with Sondheim pieces. So the story goes that she goes to an audition and she's well-known and she's known as a quote-unquote Sondheim musical woman. Lo and behold, someone walks in and she's like, you know, dressed to the nines. She's got her character shoes on and then rips her skirt off and starts doing like all kinds of choreography. And hmm. all the dancers got together, you know, and started saying, oh, tone it down. We have, you know, a non-dancing Sondheim performer here. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, with her, the way she would tell the story, it's, it's, it's basically just uh, there's specialties. And mm -hmm. you, you know what your specialty is when you're brought in for better or for worse. You're known for whatever it is that you've done yeah now she herself admitted you know she can dance but she's never going to do you know any huge michael bennett piece it's a difference between being able to dance and being a dancer exactly yeah. exactly and i think that's one of the challenges also with community theater is you're dealing with people who are less specialized i you're mostly you get some dancers in there but you're usually dealing with people who can, you know, can sing and can kind of act or kind of dance or can act but can kind of sing or kind of dance. You know, they're, they're not not as specialized, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's also a matter of if that is your job, then you can spend all of your time making yeah. sure that your level of expertise in each one of those three disciplines is there. Mm -hmm. If you only have a few hours per day, that's outside of your normal responsibilities. You kind of have to pick and choose True. what you focus on mm -hmm. um, for that. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I probably will never be a, a really good dancer because to me, you know, being able to sing the role and, and act the role 
is something I can squeeze into the time I have available. Yeah. Yeah, to be a triple threat like that, as you say, is it's a lot of skill, it's a lot of rehearsals, mm-hmm. a lot of practice, it takes a lot time. of time to put into. Yes, it. absolutely, not easy. So you were you were talking about trends earlier. The one more thing I want to ask you, and I guess we're kind of running short on time here. We're getting close. But I, what's your opinion on? It seems to be a more recent trend of jukebox musicals. Actually, they're they're pretty much died out now. That was a few Are, years. Well, they've got uh, Huey Lewis as one that that is. Uh, either just opened or is about to open but you know we had what two seasons where it was basically every other show yeah, was yeah. one, and that was i a, think it's on the on the downside now but they, they were huge like i guess a couple of years ago I mean, they, 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 they can be good but once again it's kind of going back to the 1920s 1930s where the trying to find a muse a, a plot right to squeeze the material that's what into. it always seems right, like yeah. to me well, so yeah that's exactly a case of all right you got all the the songs written yep now you got to Tie a find a plot to go in there yeah so i mean I, I would say probably you know that began in 2001 i mean it existed before but it didn't mm. become a financially viable option until mamma mia in 2000 or 2001 i guess it was 2001 yeah because they had this intellectual ip you know warner brothers or whoever it is that that had you no know, universal music had uh, abba's mm-hmm. catalog and then of course then the composers you know the two guys and abba decided to get on board with the idea yeah and now you have this huge corporate force giving you the playground to, to build something out of it. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they effectively stole the plot from an existing Italian comedy from, I guess it was late 50s, early 60s. Mm-hmm. And no one actually makes recognition of it. It's just sort of like, you know, I forget the name of the movie. I watched it once going like, wow, that yeah. is almost beat for beat <laughs> the same thing. It worked. But, but in that case, that show it worked. Fit. That show worked. Okay. It fit. It, it moved along. But there, there are others where you just sit there, and and I, I don't really like them because it's like you know, da 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 song, mm-hmm. <laughs> and maybe only one verse of that song really has anything to do with your chosen plot. Yeah. And now you've yeah. got the three that's existing. That's what it seems like. It, it would be the risk to me. So yeah, they can work. I, I just don't see for me that they tend to work more than they don't work. Mm-hmm. I guess that's why it's died down a little bit more. Well, it's all money, so if you know if, if somebody yeah. doesn't make a ton of money, you don't want to reproduce it again. Mm-hmm. I guess it was also probably an attempt to bring in a new audience who maybe weren't as right. That, keen that was always my thought about what it was. But, oh, hey, I know all, and yeah, I like, like all I really like. And a lot of that has to do with New York tourism as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it used to be musicals were built for the New York audience, mm-hmm. and then everyone else got to like them. But now you have the, the IP of these international corporations. You have characters, you've got stories, you've got songs that people are familiar with yeah. throughout the country, throughout the world. And now you're basically not composing or writing for a specific audience. You're specific for the, the you're writing for the largest number possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So as we're wrapping up here, I just wanted to give you an opportunity to f- mention any particular highlights of your past experiences, musical experiences. It's, I know it's, it's really just on front of mind, but this year I was really, really lucky. I, I had a chance to, to do two roles that were both bucket list roles for me. Mm. And to get a chance to do two in one year is just pretty amazing. Yeah. You know, getting to do Hunchback of Notre Dame in the first place, it's a crazy difficult show. Mm-hmm. You know, the story behind it is, is it's, even though it is using the music from the film, it is not branded as Disney Presents. Mm. And as a result... They, the staff has included a lot more of the novel, which is too unsavory for a G-rated animated film. Sure. Uh. And they got rid of all the, the Borscht Belt shtick. 
<laughs> you know, so it's a much more serious piece. Okay. But to to get to play a character who I I can't even call a villain because in the film he was. Yeah. He's messed up in so many ways, and to play a character who does horrible things, but he's not doing it with malice, is just one of the greatest acting and singing opportunities you get because he has five or six opportunities to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. Every single time he has a big decision to make, he chooses the wrong thing. (laughs) And then he doubles down on it and makes the next bad decision. And it's just an an amazing character to work with. Which character was this? Uh, Claude Frollo. Okay. And the fact that he's back to being, you know, um, Archdeacon and not, you know, put into a, a police you know, role as the film made him. You know, and, and people die. And it's just, it's, it's an epic show that because Disney wouldn't put its name on it, New York didn't get it. Oh. It's not hmm. that the show quality has is any kind of problem with it. But nobody wanted to pony up millions and millions of dollars unless they had some sort of brand association. Right. Mm. And Disney felt that it was way too grown up. Mm-hmm. to put their name on it. What about Touchstone Pictures? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Or Hollywood Pictures. And then I just got to, to do uh, John Jasper, it's a dual role, John Jasper and Clyde Paget in Mystery of Edwin Drood, which is just another crazy, difficult show to do because mm-hmm. you're doing a show within a show. Sound familiar? A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so Same author? You've got, you know, yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, Rupert Holmes, you know, I'm a huge fan, so... I finally got to do it. I did it 25 years ago. Oh, wow. In the chorus. Mm -hmm. Uh, And ever since, I've wanted to play these two characters. Mm -hmm. Now, he's not probably the most memorable character, even though of the 14 leading roles. That's another thing about the show. Any show that has that many major, recognizable, memorable roles is sort of amazing. Yeah. But to be given a chance that you can do low comedy, opera, which just blows your mind that in the same night, you're doing... A patter song. Hey, penny, one penny, ten penny, throw penny, twelve to a shilling, to a set to a floor, and a wood you not fancy the currency for, and to find the same face besides the coin. Bob is your uncle from pennies to guineas, the two sided mint is the rule of the exception, and would you not feel like the full of deception to find the same face besides the coin? And then within a half hour, launch into this bombastic opera is just, you know. Wow. Everybody got all that, there will be a quiz later. There will be a quiz do, later, yes. Do we have the rights to put that much in there? No, actually, uh, you ought to, you ought to say, sorry, folks, you got the first four measures. Yes. <laughs> We'll, we'll pretend that you knew the rest of it. We'll fix it in post. We'll fix it in post. <laughs> but yeah, those are some 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 fabulous experiences just in, in one year's time that that I'll really always be thankful for. But the most difficult thing I've ever done was next to normal playing Dan, and the fact that our director decided that none of these characters were going to leave the stage for two and a half hours. Oh. oh. And playing someone who is is just on the brink of of collapse. And when you're seated, you're not seated off stage. You are just seated in a chair and not in the scene. But you're still but on. But you're still on. Yeah. Was, and it's probably the saddest thing ever set to music. Hmm. So no one went out drinking. No one really socialized. Oh. It, it was, you finished the show and you're all just so incredibly tense. Yeah. Exactly, you need a hug. Uh, it's the only <laughs> experience on stage I've ever had where I, as the actor, had an emotional physical response every night and it was really hard to work through because the scene where Dan has to either sign or, or not sign the release for his wife to, to be given electroshock therapy is underscored and the decision the character is making on whether he's going to approve zapping his wife's brain 
it's just, you know, my stomach just got tight mm -hmm. and I just started sweating profusely. It was just an awful scene, but I've never been in a show where every single performance, I just had that horrible visceral reaction Shoot. to what was going on. We'll have to have you back at some point because doing something like that and then breaking out into song is just something that <laughs> escapes yes. me, I guess. Oh. We're, we're running super long already. So. Oklahoma, this ain't. Yeah, yeah really. Yeah. yeah. So there's definitely some depth to musicals that, that we don't, Jim and I don't know as well. I think I it guess. depends on the show, but it absolutely I has understand to. that that is probably one of the deepest ones out there. Yeah, yeah. So we should probably wrap things up here. Yeah. Uh, thank you for listening. And uh, Greg, thank you for thank coming you on the much. show. And like I said, thank we'll you. have to have you back. Talk more musicals. Season five. Perhaps. Yes. There you go. Uh, so meantime, if you've got any comments, questions, problems, issues, whatever you want to talk to us about, you can contact us by visiting our website. We're backstage. not professional therapists. Though. No, we are not. <laughs> Backstage.link and click on contact the show. That's right. And we got the number 267-225-8869 for leaving voicemails and texts. Yes. And if you've enjoyed this show, please subscribe if you haven't already. Leave us a review. Tell a friend. Tell many friends. Yes. So meantime, uh, I'm Glenn. And I'm Jim. And thank you for joining us backstage. So long. She's totally going to be picked up on here. She's a lot more vocal than your cats. Check one, check two. Check three, check four. I don't know if it was my turn or not, but I did it anyway. I went for it's it. It's an odd... No. no, it's me. No. No, it's an even, isn't it? I don't know. I think it is. Hi, Luna. Of course, she's not on cue. <laughs> Can you meow? Oh, there you go. I just said there you go twice. Get some new material. <laughs> that was more... Even more so? No. <laughs> Sounds like... Uh... By all means, please share it with us. And I forgot the contact information. Hang on. So right. next week will be... We don't know. We don't know. It's probably going to be another one of our theater therapy episodes. We'll see what happens. Get the couch. Yes. Let's just make up some outtakes. Okay. <laughs> There's an outtake right there. We'll just babble. <laughs> oh, what is this stuff you got here? Vocal ease. Vocal ease. Oh, boy. Yeah. Driving Miss Piggy. <laughs> Driving Miss Piggy. <laughs> well, uh, I, I was just trying to take you to the Piggly Wiggly. Oh, I do declare... Oh, goodness. Yes, me bueno. All right, I guess let's just call it there and we'll <laughs> use what we got. All right. We got what we got. Hey, Luna, you got anything else? Luna? Meow? Ladies? Oh, and my computer just shut off. So oh, well. All right. All right. Sayonara. Cut.